Mark chapter 4, uh, we're going to read a passage out of uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. And I want to minister a message entitled, Who is this man? Who is this man? As I was uh, getting things ready last night, and, and uh, you know, I have, for those that do, don't know, uh, my wife and I, we have three beautiful blessings, uh, our three children, the oldest of which is eight years old. And uh, last night, I, you know, as, as you try to find, when you're trying to concentrate and do some things, you try to find a place in the home where you can get some concentration, where you can get some solitude to get your mind, and maybe it's to seek God or whatever you're trying to do. And we don't have the largest house, but, but the five, our, our, our little family of five, we share it. And what I did is I ran into, uh, into one of the rooms, and I was, I was getting things ready, and I was, you know, I was studying, and, um, and then I hear some commotion, and I hear my youngest uh, who is, is two years old right now, and she's looking for daddy. Where's daddy? Where's daddy? And she just got done taking a bath. My wife was taking her a bath, and, and she was going all through the house. She was wondering, where is daddy at? Where is he hiding? Where could he be? And after, uh, you know, a few moments, my, my wife informed me of this, but I heard this. My daughter wondering, where's daddy at? And I want to minister a message this morning entitled, Who is This Man? And I, I want to ask the question, and if we're honest, I believe we all probably could, could answer yes, but have you ever felt like the Lord was asleep in your situation? Have you ever felt that he was on vacation somewhere, that he was any other place than there with you? Perhaps you've sought him in prayer, you've sought him in fasting, and, and I know by faith we know and believe, we understand that God is with us. If we know the scriptures, we understand that, that he will never leave us or forsake us. That's scriptural, that's gospel. But if we are honest, sometimes we feel, Lord, where are you at? You've taken a day off gone on vacation. Maybe you're asleep here in my situation. And just the same way as my, as my, my beautiful two-year-old was looking for daddy throughout the house. She couldn't find him, and she was wondering where he was. And this caused a restlessness in her heart and in her life. And sometimes we may be, in, you may be in that place this morning. There may be a spiritual restlessness in your heart, in your life, and you're wondering, Lord, where are you? Are you asleep? Perhaps you feel he's asleep in your situation, in your heart. Perhaps there's something going on in your home and you've been seeking God for answers. Perhaps at your workplace, there's some things transpiring and you've been seeking God. God, where are you in this situation? In any situation of our life. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. And here we see a similar situation with the disciples. They felt the same way. So the Bible says this in verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples... Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat, and they started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed, in verse 37. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus 
was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Praise God. Let's bow our heads. Lord, we thank you, God. We thank you, Lord, for this beautiful opportunity to come into your house, to worship you, Father God, to seek you, my God. And Father, this morning, my Lord, we just seek after you, Holy Spirit. We ask that you would take control, that you would speak every word that comes over uh, this pulpit, Father God, that you would move, that you would just help us, Father, to see where you are, God. Yes, even in our situations, Father God. Lord, we thank you. We give you praise, honor, and glory. We ask in Jesus' name, and we all say, amen. amen. Praise God. So there's a lot taking place in this passage as we learn and as we understand. And the first thing that... And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this point, but I, I want to declare and I want to clarify that there is a true fact in life that the storms will come. And again, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I believe you understand that already. You know storms will come. You've been through things in your life, situations, and you understand what it means to have a storm in your life. You know, sometimes we, uh, as we understand science, we could turn on the news, right? You have the forecasters there, and, you know, they can call the weather, you know, for, for throughout the week, right? And you have your whole weather lined up. This day it's going to be warm, so you know, all right, I'm going to dress accordingly. This day it's going to get a little cooler. I'll dress accordingly, right? You have for, fair warning. And they can call these things because they're scientists, and they, they look at patterns, and and, and what has happened in the past. So they understand what the weather is, but put yourself in the place of the disciples. They didn't have, you know, Fritz Coleman to come there on the news and tell them what the weather was going to be. They didn't have social media. They didn't have technology to warn them about, about the weather that was, that was coming. And they were taken by surprise. Storms will come. Some storms we may get a glimpse as, as sailors did back in the days of old. They could see the color of the sky. They understand, okay, you know, that there's going to be some harsh weather coming up. Perhaps they had some, some warning. And perhaps in your situation, you had a little bit of warning. Praise God for the warning, right? You're, you're able to get ready. You're able to brace yourself. But sometimes, as the disciples found out, there are these storms that come out of left field, as it were. No warning. Caught by surprise. The disciples were caught by surprise. Storms will come. Commotion, uproar, tempest, disturbance, whatever you want to call it, in life situation, in your life, in my life, storms will come. Things that come out of left field. If it's never happened to you again, it will happen. If you've never been through it, it's going to happen, and you will go through it. Perhaps in family, again, as I opened up. At work, perhaps. In relationships. Within church. Outside of church. Everywhere you go, storms will come to you and I. 
as children of God. And I think when we go through the, these things, we ask ourselves, and we, we look, automatically we look at ourselves, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? Start to take inventory, right? Was it this that I did? Was it that that I did? Well, the Bible brings some clarity on this. Matthew chapter 5, verse 45. The fact is it rains on the just and the unjust. Can you say amen? It rains both on the righteous and the unrighteous. You may think and believe that you're in a storm this morning and it's probably because of something you did wrong. Well, that's not always the case. Righteous men of God throughout the Bible went through trials and circumstances. Look at Jesus. Matthew 5, 45. In that way, you will, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you were going through as if something strange were happening to you. Storms are going to come. Trials are going to come. Hardships, difficult situations. Again, in the various areas I talked about, they are going to come to our lives. Storms. So accept that fact. It's not, you're gonna, it's not that you're going to ask if it's going to happen, but it's, it's when. Storms will come. And as I, as I minister this message, this message and this topic is, it's close to me. I've been through it. I've been through situations, and I know you have as well. I've been through hardships in my walk with Christ throughout the years. I've, I've been through things where I've questioned, where I fought despair where I fought depression, where I fought loneliness, where I fought discouragement, where I fought, dis where I fought disappointment. All these things. I've been through it. I've walked through it. And I know you have as well. And can I tell you the good news this morning, as here you are this morning, you still believe in Christ. You still believe and know that he has blessings for you, that he has something powerful for you. Even this morning, if you sit in your seat in your place of discouragement and despair, perhaps, God has something beautiful and encouraging for you. Your chapter's not over. The story of your life is not over. You know why I know this? Because the Bible says there's hope among the living. So as long as you have breath in your lungs, as long as you're able to worship God, you are going to be able to experience righteousness and good things that come from the Lord. The Bible tells us, what are his plans? His plans are to prosper you, not to harm you. To give you a hope, a future, and an expected end. And sometimes when we're out there in the world, we get beat up, we get battered, and we feel like it's a hard thing to believe in that scripture. But if we can take God's word at face value, we will be able to walk through this life with a little bit more encouragement, a little bit more of our heads being held high because we know something good is coming for us and to us. And that is God's promise to you. God desires not to harm you, not to hurt you, but to prosper you. To give you a hope, a future, and an expected end. That's God's desire. That's God's promise to you and I this morning. 
So we understand storms will come. And now we're going to venture on into a different angle and different view on what the storm is about and why the storm is in your life, perhaps. Now the Lord told his disciples in Mark 4, 35 and 36, as the evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. And I want to declare to you this morning that your storm is a doorway this morning. Your trial, your struggle, your difficult situation is a doorway. And can I say that it's an opportunity for something great to transpire in your life. Your storm and your hardship, your situation, wherever you're facing that trial, whatever you're going through, it is a doorway. It's an opportunity for you. Jesus told his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and they started out leaving the crowds behind. That's God's message to you and I. Let's go to the other side. We've been here. In your life, you may have been working this, you know, this, this situation, and God's saying, all right, it's time for you now to, to cross over to that new level, that new plateau in your life, that new level of maturity, that new level of spiritual anointing, that new level of relationship with Christ, that new level of growth in your life. He's saying, let's cross over. And what does that mean? Let's leave the crowds behind. See, the disciples were in a place where Jesus wanted to take them to that next step in their life. And it took some sacrifice in their life. And it's going to take some sacrifice in our life. Maybe there are some things that you're used to. Things that you hold on to. Things that are your go-to when you're going through a struggle and a trial. These things that you run to. Perhaps it's just this relationship where you pick up the phone and you text this person, you do this. And all those have their place, praise God. But what about running to him? What about clinging, clinging on to Jesus Christ? Where he's always moving and he's always in motion. And he's always going somewhere. He always desires to take us somewhere. And if we can grab on to Jesus and we can hold on to him even a little bit more tighter these days, we will continue to go forward as he wants us to. He's saying, let's go to the other side. So they took Jesus in the boat. This is important. And they started out. They took Jesus in the boat. They had Jesus with them. They were there with Jesus. It's so important for us to be in constant communion with the Lord and relationship with, with Christ. Anything that we do, Lord, that you would be with me. God, that I would be on your side, that I would be with you. That is the, the essence of safety. That's where, that's where Christ wants us to, to be close to him. He's not asking us to forsake him. Make sure that he's in the boat with you always, that he's always with you. And wherever you go, I'll tell you what, your footing is going to be sure. Your foundation is going to be strong. Your foundation is going to be the rock when you stand with Christ. Throughout the Gospels, we read that, right, about Jesus. He wasn't stationary. He was always moving. He's always doing something. He was in this village healing people. He was in this place preaching the Gospel. He was in the synagogue. He was here. He was healing the leper, healing the blind. And what were the disciples doing? They were following. And isn't that what he told them in the very beginning? Follow me. 
And I'm sure as the days and months and years transpired, they really got to understand what that meant, follow me. Like, man, I'm really having to follow you because God is on the move. God is going to take you, you and I places from one day to the next. Today he may put someone in your heart, pray for that person. He may put someone in your heart to call them, to go and pray for them, to visit that person, to do this. That's the Spirit of God. That's what God does to us as we're, as we're in the Spirit and we're walking with him. He's always moving. He's always doing something. That's where the disciples were. They were following, following, following him. And the ground that he gained in these various cities and these villages and wherever he was preaching, sometimes the crowds were there to meet him with palm branches and lay things before him writing in, right? Hosanna in the highest. They praised God as he came into the city. There's a time for that. But how many other times were they there to try to kill him and to destroy him? The scribes and the Pharisees, they were trying to, to, to cause confusion. They were trying to destroy what he was doing. Sometimes there was opposition. To, sometimes there, were wel- there was welcoming. Sometimes there was hardships. And think it not strange, the fiery trial that comes upon you for you doing right. Maybe it's your job. You're doing what you have to do. You're doing what's right. And people are talking behind your back. People are trying to, to, to set you up and do all these things. Don't think it's strange. If it happened to Jesus, it's going to happen to you and I. Sometimes you'll be praised for that righteous act. Other times, you'll try to be discredited or discouraged or talked about or forsaken. But it's only a storm. And as it, as it was done to Jesus, so it'll be done to you and I. 1 Corinthians 16, 9 Paul said this as he was writing to the Corinthian church, For a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. I'll read it one more time. For a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Anytime you want to gain ground, anytime, even in the most personal areas of your heart, that you want to get closer to Christ, there are going to be adversaries. There's going to be distraction. There's going to be hardship. There are going to be thoughts of inadequacy. Perhaps the the enemy to come to tell you that you have no reason and you don't deserve to get closer to God because I know who you are, he tells you. He tries to fill your mind and hearts with lies and deceit. A great and effective door has opened to me and there are many adversaries. There will be many adversaries in the ground that you want to take. And God's promised you some great and beautiful things. God's promised you a beautiful family. He's promised you life. He's promised us salvation. Even though sometimes we don't feel it, right? That's why we don't go by feelings. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. And I want to look at something a little bit deeper here as we're talking about the storm. We learn that the storm will come to all of us. And what we can call a storm is we could call it a test as well. We call it a commotion, an uproar, a distraction, a disturbance, a tempest. All these things. But I will say that the storm is also a test. And with any test, there comes the question, are you going to pass the test? At the other side of the storm, are you going to pass or are you going to fail? They're in your own life. Because there's going to be an end to that storm. 
Any storm, is, it's seasonal, right? It's just for a moment. In the span of eternity, it's just for the blink of an eye, but the question remains, where will you and I be at the other side of that storm? Will we pass? What's my reaction going to be in the storm? In Mark 4.38 in our text, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Don't we get the picture there that the Lord was resting? And what did the disciples do? Perhaps they were fatigued. Perhaps they were tired. Perhaps they could have used a nap as well. And they, there may have been more room on the bench for them to, to find a place in a cushion and get some rest just as their Lord and Savior was doing. That's one reaction they, they could have had in the storm. They could have said that my, my Lord and Savior, my master as they call him, my teacher, rabbi, that he was resting even despite this storm. So they could have found in their heart, he's resting, everything must be all right, so I'm going to get some rest as well. But what was their reaction? That wasn't it. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? That was their reaction. Lord, I'm going through this. Don't you care that I'm going to drown? Don't you see me? Why are you asleep? Don't you hear my prayers? Don't you understand what I'm going through? We begin to doubt. We begin to question, right? That's one of the reactions in a storm is there begins to be a lot of questions. God, why this? Why that? What did I do wrong? Why am I in this situation? What did so-and-so do? What did he do? What did she do? All these questions begin to transpire. Jesus was asleep. The disciples could have took a nap and used that as an advantage. You know, I'm going to get some rest as well. But no, the first reaction was a question, right? It was a question. They questioned him. Don't you care that we're going to drown? And sometimes in our hardship in our storm we can start to question god don't you care about me don't you hear me don't you understand what i'm going through these questions will come out they woke jesus jesus up like he didn't know what was going on isn't that like us sometimes our prayers are 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 watered with all this information and and and, and I, I i praise god for the honesty that we could have and go to god praise god for that he knows us, we know him. You could explain it to the hilt if you want. You could explain every little detail, but I got news for you. He already knows it. Before you opened your mouth, before I opened my mouth, he already knows every intricate detail, the things you know about and the things that you're not even aware about. The things that you've seen right around you, but the things that are a thousand miles off, God's aware of those things as well. He knows where you're going to be next year. Five, ten years from, from now, he knows, he already knows all that. The disciples were seasoned. What was their trade? They were fishermen, right? They've been on the, uh, on the sea. They've been on the lake. They've been through some trials and tempests, I'm sure. They've been through these things. They, they were fishermen by trade. Their environment and their arena was the boat. It was the, the sea. It was the place of fishing. And it probably was storms, more or less. But they were in a place that they've never been before. They were in a storm that they'd never faced before. 
So this was where their reaction. Lord, don't you care about me? Don't you care that I'm gonna drown? And doubt started to fill their heart. Fear started to fill their heart. Questions started to fill their heart. While Jesus was there asleep, getting rest, they were questioning. While he was there taking comfort in his relationship with his father, knowing that nothing was going to happen to him or them, they were questioning. The good news is that although it may feel new to you and I, the storm that you're in and the trial, it's nothing new for Jesus. Can you say amen? It's nothing new for him. He's been through it. He's conquered it. He's overcome it. He's passed. He's surpassed it. He is our, our conqueror. He is our savior. He is our champion. Every single thing that you have been through before, Jesus Christ has been through it already, and he has conquered it. He understands and he knows what you're going through. And lastly, we see the powerful words of the Lord, silence, be still. In our text, in verse 39, when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? And this is God's message to you and I this morning. Why are you afraid? Why? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Church, the good news this morning is that because Jesus had so much faith and confidence in his Father, he was able to rest in that storm, in that tempest. He was able to find a little nook there on a bench and a nice cushion, although the waves were beating against the boat, although everyone else was freaking out, he was able to get some rest and enjoy communion and relationship with his Father. Even though the situation looked dire, Good news is that he had confidence in his father in the same way that he had confidence in his loving father that he didn't come to this earth to die and drown in the Sea of Galilee or whatever lake he was in. He didn't come for that. He knew what his purpose was. And this morning, if we could compare the size of our storm with the greatness of our God, we're going to know that it's just a small speck in the grand scheme of goodness that God has for us. And in that, you'll be able to rest in your storm. You'll be able to rest and find comfort somewhere in your storm. See, sometimes we think that I'm not going to be able to get rest till I'm out of my storm. But I'll tell you what, because of the goodness of God and the power of Christ in our life, in your storm, you could still find rest. In the center of that storm, you could, feel, find, you could still find rest. You could be hopeful. You could be encouraged. You could smile. You could, you could encourage someone else. It doesn't mean that everything is going 100% the way you want it to in your life, but you have enough confidence in our God, our Savior, our loving Father, that you know that there is a peace beyond this storm and that you're going to come out on the other end shining. Can you say amen? You're going to come out the other end of the storm stronger with a little bit more faith, encouraged, and I'll tell you what, a little bit more rested. It's not our responsibility to, to stay up, to have sleepless nights because we're thinking about these things. Our confidence is in him. And whatever we can't control, you can't control it. It doesn't matter if you water it with worry 
from sunup till sundown, you can't control that thing. But what you can control is how close you stay to Christ, is how much you stay in his word through this storm and through the trial. That's what you can control. Colossians 1, 16 and 17, for through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on the earth. He made the things we could see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Can you say amen? That's the God that we serve. Nothing takes him by surprise. Nothing comes against him that he cannot handle. Verse 17, he existed before anything else, before your storm, before your situation, before your trial, before my trial. And he holds all creation together. God holds all creation together. The universe, the raging seas that he's set a border that they are not allowed to come this far in. He holds all that together. So I think that he can handle your situation and my situation. Do you agree? God holds the universe, the infinite span of space and all these things that he created, he holds them all together. Without a drop of sweat, I think he could handle your situation. I think he could handle your boss. I think he could handle your family situation. I think he could handle your children. He holds the universe together. He could handle your situation. He has no problem doing it. Nothing, nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is too hard for God. So why was Jesus asleep? Because he was getting rest as an example to you and I. He was being an example to you and I that although the storm was raging and the waves were beating against the boat, he was able to rest. Why could he rest? Because he trusted in his Father. Jesus said, as I mentioned, he said, I didn't come to die in a boat. I didn't come to drown in this lake. I came to save the world from their sin. I came to die a sinner's death so that I could sacrifice my life for the entire world. He knew why he was here and what his purpose was. And if you and I walk with him closely, we're going to know our purpose as well. And we're going to know that this storm and this tempest is not the end of you. It's not going to kill you. It's not going to destroy you. I'll tell you what, it's going to be a stepping stone for your life. That hardship and situation that you're facing there at your job or perhaps in your family or wherever it is, it's going to be a stepping stone for you to get just a little bit closer to Jesus, to walk a little bit higher. Proverbs 3.24, you can go to bed without fear. You will lie down and sleep soundly. That's some good news for someone this morning. You can go to bed without fear. You will lie down and sleep soundly. I want to declare to you this morning that if some of you in here are fighting sleepless nights, and I'm talking in the physical, that you're having trouble sleeping because you're worrying about this thing or that thing or this trial or that trial, this is God's promise for you. I want you to highlight this passage in your Bible. You can go to bed without fear. You will lie down and sleep soundly. Another translation says your sleep will be sweet. It's not your job to worry about how it's going to happen, what's going to happen. We function as, as much as we can in the strength that God gives us, but beyond that, you need to get some rest. When it's nighttime, it's time to go to bed. Let your head hit that pillow and let you, you know, snore that night because you're sleeping so well. 
That doesn't mean your trials and, and circumstances are all gone, but you can get some rest, just as D Jesus got some rest in this storm. I believe there are some folks fighting insomnia here because you're, you're tied up with worry. It's not God's will for your life. At the end of the day, it's God's will for you to be able to get some nice rest and to trust in him for tomorrow. Right? Sometimes we can't rest because we're worried about tomorrow. But that's God's battle. God's the God of tomorrow. I'm not the God of tomorrow. God's given me these 24 hours. That's all I can handle. And I'll tell you what, that is all I can handle. God handles tomorrow. And while you're asleep, while you're resting, God's working. God's moving. God's dealing with this situation. God's dealing with that situation. God is smiling upon you. God is singing over you, as the Bible says, as you're resting. And while he's doing that, he has his warring angels handling this situation. He's channeling blessings and th working things out for your life as you sleep. And that is the will of God. That is the beautiful will of God for our life, that while we sleep, God is worrying for us. While we sleep, he is singing over us, as the Bible says. That's your inheritance because of Jesus Christ. So who is this man? His name is Jesus. Who is this man? He's our redeemer. He's our champion. He's the Holy One of Israel, our sovereign Lord. As a, as a worship team, please makes their way up. He's our sovereign Lord. He's the Lord and Lord. He's the King of Kings. He's the God of your storm, the God of your situation, the God of your trial this morning the God of your circumstance. I want to close with this passage, Psalm 121, verse 3. Who is this man? It says here, He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. That's why you can sleep at night. That's why you can get some rest. Because the one who watches over you will not slumber. Another translation, the King James Version says, He will not suffer your foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. He's not asleep. He's more involved in that situation than you can ever be. And he is more able to handle that situation than you and I can ever handle. And as I opened up about the story about my two-year-old, she was there running throughout the house, wondering where was daddy at. There was one room she didn't look in, and that's where daddy was. I was in the house, I wasn't gone. I was close by. If she needed anything, I was in the house. I was right there to help her. If any harm tried to come in our house, I was there to, to be the first line of defense and protect. If she was hungry, if she needed anything, I was there to, her mom and I were there to provide for her. If she needed some counsel, I was the lap that she could sit on and ask me any question. She was scared. I was the, the daddy that she could run to, to hold her tight. If there was something she couldn't reach, I was the dad that could lift her up and hold her there and help her to reach whatever it was her heart desired. 
I was in the house. I never left. Daddy was in the house. He never left. And that's God's word to you and I this morning. God's in the house. He's right there. He's not asleep. He's not on vacation. He hasn't forsaken you and I. He hasn't gone here or gone there. He's there in the house. He's there in your situation. He's not far. All you have to do is continue to seek him. And he'll be there for you. Let's bow our heads this morning. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. God's good. So I opened up with the question of who is this man, and I closed with the answer to that question. He is the Almighty. He is our Redeemer, our Savior, our loving God, our fortress, our strong tower, our shield, our buckler, our rear guard. He sees all things. Your Redeemer. And if there's anyone here this morning and you walked in here, and I'm talking perhaps to our first-time guests or perhaps you've been walking with the Lord before and you stepped away and you sit in this sanctuary apart from God. You're not walking with Him. You know, God's desire for you is to be in perfect fellowship and communion with Him. It's God's desire for you, church. And if you're here tonight and you're not saved and you say, I need Jesus, I want to accept Jesus in my life, I need Him in my life, I'm not walking with Him, I want to open up this altar. If there's anyone here, if you would be so bold as to raise your hand up and put it right back down. If you say that, 